Home Season 1, Episode 8, Caesarean, is over, but here on Post Show Recaps, we're just getting started. My name is Grace, but of course, I'm not alone. I'm here with DM Philly. Philly, how you doing? I'm so good. I'm ready to go to Rome. Uh, I, I'm very excited today, Grace. I thought this was, we're not going to Rome today, Rich. We're going to Egypt. I thought this was a tremendous episode of television. Uh, definitely my favorite episode of the series thus far. I'm glad it sounds probably like you were pretty high on it. It's just delightfully fun. This is a pretty like serious show. I can be pretty serious, but this is a very good hour and a very fun time on our romp to Egypt. Yeah, I mean, I teased this episode. I was like, I feel like, you know, we went to Egypt. We didn't see Cleopatra. I know she's going to be on the show at some point. I don't know when she shows up. Well, here she is in all of her glory. Um, yeah, I thought this was really good. I think if I'm looking at this properly, I believe this is one of the top rated episodes of the entire show, according to IMDb, which again, I know not everybody loves IMDb. Um, this one is ranked pretty high. This is the first um they have like top rated badges. Last mm-hmm. episode gets top rated. This one gets top rated. And then um, a few more along the way. Uh, make sure to subscribe. PosterRecaps.com slash Rome as we're talking about Rome every single weekday in October as it is the fall of Rome. Um, should we? I'll give a little plot recap here. Um, so, uh, yes, um, Caesar is, is headed to Egypt, as he said last episode, to follow Pompey. He's going to quickly learn that uh, Pompey has already died and he's delivered his head, which he is not pleased about, believes the man should have uh, been given more respect. Um, he is going to stay as there is a bit of a civil war brewing between uh, Ptolemy. Boy, you're really going to have to bear with me on the names of some of these Egyptians. Uh, and uh, and uh, Cleopatra, and he uh, sends Mark Antony and half the Legion back, deciding that he will stay to make sure that a civil war does not break out, or perhaps he'll intervene to make sure it goes the way he would like. Um, Pulo and Varenus are tasked with trying to track down Cleopatra, which they ultimately do. Pulo finds himself in Cleopatra's company after Varenus uh, politely declines the uh, a night spent <laughs> with Cleopatra. Um, they're able to fend off uh, some of um, uh, the king's men who are also trying to track down Cleopatra and they return her. She uh, then decides she is going to try and, um, you know, pursue Julius Caesar himself, and they do. And by the end of the episode, there is a new little baby, a son of Julius Caesar, uh, hence the name Caesarian. Um, what do you think of this episode, Rich? This is unambiguously my favorite episode of the run so far. We talked a little bit yesterday about they're not being big epic battles, right? They like uh, deep faked you a little bit and like bait and switched you on the on yeah. the the big battle that we were supposed to get there in Greece. But we do get a lot of little scraps that I love to see Pulo and Varanus fighting this way. I love the introduction of Cleopatra, uh, Caesar being Caesar, Grace. It's very fun. We got royal assassins we got indignation at the death of pompey there's a little like regicide at the end happening some infanticide not quite infanticide i guess you wouldn't call him an infant but young king ptolemy uh face down in the river i love this episode i think it's like a lot of fun i think it's got all the stuff that we're looking for in terms of like iconic history check uh you know brutal violence check uh really fun performances and like some humor mixed in all the check and uh there's definitely some sex right so we'll check that one off too it's a very very full episode of tv that i think like just hits all the beats perfectly yeah it sure is i mean i think that one of the things that's very fun is um you know launching into this show 
was the idea of, you know, I didn't know Pompey Magnus that much, but I know Mark Antony and Julius Caesar, really the only two that I, you know, could have named if it was a sure. feud quiz. I think I get two top five answers on the board or whatever. Um, and uh, it's been very fun to, to chat about them. And, and for me, one of the most fun things is like, you know, I've, you know, the show is pretty well known for being pretty historically accurate. So then, you know, I, I don't feel like I'm spoiling myself on a basically 2000 year old plot event, but I'm, you know, I'm like Googling to see how did a, a lot of Googling this episode about like, who is this guy? Who is this kid? Who's this? Mm -hmm. Is that, is that his kid? No, it's not his kid. Um, Cause they're all named uh, basically the same and, and whatever. But um, yeah, it was fun to see Cleopatra show up. I feel like she makes quite the impression. I don't know what my like historical take of, Cleopatra was before I I feel like this is a bit of a grittier depiction of Cleopatra than I um perhaps assume she was I feel like I would have guessed like classy lady and maybe mm -hmm. she'll get there that is not exactly what she gives off when we mm -hmm. when we meet her as she is smoking from pipes and having sex with uh Pulo almost for Ennis um but it's pretty I think it's a pretty fun um, depiction of this a woman who's in. I mean, it's not fun. She's like in hiding and being in captured um, and chained up. Uh, but they uh, like find a, a way yeah. to like find the fun in yes. that dynamic. Uh -huh. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. Right. And then the eventual sort of her deciding even before she gets back that Julius Caesar will be a man that she shall um, seduce and try to win over as a means of sort of political strategy. Um, and indeed it does, it does work as um as, uh, and we've talked a lot about not only just um, last episode talking about oh they they like didn't do the action scene the other piece is the the time the timing of events in this show mm -hmm. um, that we seemingly <laughs> we skip over Cleopatra's entire pregnancy this oh yeah we cover oh. a solid ten months right I mean we get the yeah. call of like Caesar's been there for half a year he's sieging Alexandria um, but we got enough time for that baby to be like carried around and handed over for like the whole legion to clap for him and cheer I love Pulo clapping for him at the end cheering it's yeah. very very Fun. yeah um, and uh verona's being like what are you doing bro yeah <laughs> like, it's so on. good uh -huh. it's so good i don't mean to show my hand here but the cleopatra stuff is great you know i mean she's got this really kind of nefarious reputation right i mean shakespeare loves to write about rome we got like the mark anthony and, and cleopatra kind of like stories told again and again and and you know she fills an archetype that is not necessarily a charitable or a positive one no. for a lot of women of history right of this seductress and this manipulator and this kind of like player right a lot of uh there's all like this kind of denigration associated with mark anthony like from various kind of perspectives about this whole like civil war and what's going to go on later basically but i really love this depiction of cleopatra is like ultimately on the run and just like living her day to day she's she's on the opium she's like living yeah. good she like has a, a plan immediately like despite the opium like haddled haze that she is in grace she's able to like put it together like immediately of like okay first order of business you need to find me a man to get pregnant second order of business we need to get back to caesar <laughs> and like <laughs> let's like set the stage here as it were and the way that it plays out is like very fun her advisors like alongside her i, I just there's so much that 
really works for me because I do think it's like an unconventional depiction of her. And I think Cleopatra is one of these characters. I talk about a lot of fantasy fiction, Grace, mm -hmm. and there's these characters in fantasy fiction. I know you are currently on your read through of the Wheel of Time. I'm yes. thinking of characters like uh, Lanfear in that series. I'm thinking of characters like Arwen Evening Star from The Lord of the Rings or even a Galadriel that is described as like beyond beauty, beyond the definition of the world. So beautiful. We cannot conceive of how even to describe them with mere human words, Grace. Um, and then these people have to be like realized on screen and it's inevitably right. going to be frustrating to somebody like somebody's going to complain. Yeah. I love this depiction of Cleopatra. I don't know how you, anybody could complain about this. It's very fun. Like it captures the essence they're looking for in a show that spends a lot of time being somber and serious and really intense. This is like a pretty lighthearted hour. That's about like murder and, and like civil war and big serious issues, but they have fun with it. Right. Well, I think, um, I have not been exactly keeping track, but I believe this is the most head on spikes of any episode we get. So, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of heads on spikes. I love the slow, like, uh, growing number of the heads on spikes, right? It's really fun. The guys yeah. coming out of the city mounting heads. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cleopatra here, uh, portrayed by Lindsay Marshall, an English actress. Yeah, I thought she was great. I thought she was tremendous. I actually... You know, I feel like a really a good sign of an actress is like the first scene. I'm like, ah, I don't know. And then slowly over the episode, basically the first scene where she's fully getting um, to perform. I feel like she's she's tremendous. She's 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 really good. And she's a great actress and, and giving off this both, um, you know, this woman who's on the run while also, um, you know, has knows what she needs to, to do, that she obviously has some political will um and uh i thought i thought this was i thought her performance was just was just excellent uh, i'm trying to find also i really loved um her servant who is uh Charmaine, i know i think it, or yeah, Charmian somebody something like who's, that. Uh, yeah. I feel like I should know that it's like a notable actress that's a character actress that has been in a ton of stuff. And I, I, uh, I think it's yeah. Catherine Hunter, I believe, um, is portraying, yeah, again, Charmian or Charmin. I'm not sure yes. exactly the yes. pronunciation yes. people can tell me. Um, but she was recently, um, she was, if you watch Tragedy of Macbeth, the movie that came out in 2021 with Denzel Washington, she plays the witches. Um, she has this way of like contorting her body and in the way her voice is so noticeable. Mm -hmm. She's also in the Harry Potter series, but she's um, a Mrs. Fig. Um, yeah, she's, she's really good. I believe she's going to be in the upcoming uh, poor things movie, which is the Emma Stone movie, which is supposed to also be pretty weird. I feel like that's kind of her, like her wheelhouse. Um, but I thought their dynamic was really, was really interesting and, and fun is like, there's clearly like in some senses, Cleopatra doesn't want to listen to her and some she is willing to throw the opium uh you know out the window of the of the caravan what do we call it when you're just being carried across the desert i don't know exactly i think it's know, a palanquin but... is officially oh. what it's called i think a palanquin okay amazing so um yeah i i really enjoyed um that but i i do think Pulo and Varenis being tasked with like, you know, we saw last episode, I, I noted it, that I kind of love the explanation of Caesar not willing to punish these men of they are they are protected by the gods. They clearly have very powerful friends. And so these are the two that are um, tasked with uh, with trying to track down Cleopatra herself. They ultimately do. Pulo saves her life and Varenis is offered the opportunity to copulate and perhaps make it <laughs> like Charmaine being like, uh, he's like, 
Do you mean to make a child? She's, he's just like, yes, yes, make a child. <laughs> make a child. There's a Lee Pace <laughs> gif waiting there from Foundation Season 2, Grace. Mm-hmm. of Varen is coming out of the tent to Pula. Like, she wants to copulate. That's right. Uh, it really, it's so hilarious, right? The fact that, like, they go to Varenis, that they, like, go to the Felix of our odd couple duo, you know? Yeah. Um, the actual, like, like Charmaine coming out and, like, assessing both of them of, like, who's going to be the more... He smells like olives. Yeah. <laughs> It's so fantastic, right? Uh, Cleopatra's whole reaction. I love the like, um, you can't tell, don't tell me what I can't do, John Locke energy to Cleopatra, like the throwing out of the opium pipe. But the two of them going in, first of all, to like fend off the assassins, it's very awesome. Like, we do get a cool little scrap. It's like the screaming from the assistants is like the assassins come and are like, Hello, your highness. We're here now to kill you. Uh, they're like, oh, when? Right now. Right now. We have to do it. You know, <laughs> like yeah. the whole revelation. But this like choosing of uh, Varenas and Varenas like, all right, I've got to do my duty. Caesar, Caesar told me to follow her orders within reason. Everything she asked within reason. Here we go. And he just can't do it. Like yeah. for his dysfunction, for all like the wrong perspective that the honor is coming from. He's a man of honor. And, mm-hmm. and he's not going to do this uh, and like dishonor his family and Niobe and all of it. And I, I like that that's like a through line, like that tracks with the Varenis that I know eight episodes in. I like his little rock carving of Niobe that he's looking at uh, this episode. That's great. Uh, little, yeah, little he's picture. a real, he could have, should have been a stonemason in another life. Mm-hmm. He's writing letters on rocks uh, that could have mm-hmm. carried across the ages, rock carvings. Like he really does love his wife. It's very like a uh, dysfunctional and kind of like incorrect kind of love. You know, it does not like map to any of our like modern sensibilities, but like he's got this devotion to his family that like we're supposed to be, you know, uh, aware of at this stage. Yeah, I'm rooting for them. I'm rooting for it to work out between Brennan and and Naomi. I'm just waiting for the shoe to drop that that is not uh, his granddaughter and alas, his wife's baby. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Um, I do love when Pulo comes out and Brennan is like, please stop talking about what happened in there. Yeah. He's like, hey, I was just obeying orders, man. It's fine. And he's like, well, what if Caesar finds out? And he's like, Caesar won't find out. He's like, you have a mouth like a drain, buddy. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't commented yeah, yeah. on this yet, Rich, but I do love... <laughs> I I'm totally fine with this idea that like all every character on the show has a, has pretty much a British accent. It's fine. It's like, you know, this is the way the shows go. It's and pretty cliche. It's very Shakespeare doing Rome. Yeah. yeah you're, you're not going to have, you know, you don't want your show to be entirely subtitled. Um, so one thing I do love, I do love the thing that they do in Vikings, a TV show, which you and I podcast about Vikings mm-hmm. Valhalla, which is like they speak English to each other unless they don't ever speak the same language. And then they mm-hmm. spe- they start speaking a different language. I thought that was a really clever thing. But no, here they're speaking English. I love how many I don't think he does it this episode, but there's been several episodes where Pula will go like he'll say in it. Yeah, <laughs> I just feel like it's the yes. least Roman phrase ever, and maybe even like not even like English of the time. But I just love how often he'll say like, uh, "Yeah, pretty pretty good soup in it." Like, yeah, you know? I'm not I'm not good with like my regional English accents, right? But this is like often like terminology. It feels intentional. It feels like it's supposed to be like conveying that Pulo is not from like the the higher class right. of citizens in Rome, right? And this right. is a real like traditional and kind of ill used like accent. That gets done in fantasy a lot where you end up with like the orcs and like the evil races that have a little bit of the more like the the proletariat like accents than the like higher aristocratic kind of British accent that you're getting out of a Julius Caesar, right? 
Yeah, I just I love it so much. It really is hilarious. I also locked yeah. in on the edits and was like, oh, it, good. yeah." There's yeah. one episode it, where he does it twice, so you're like, "God, he's really he's really." It's pretty nice. early on. Yeah, yeah. the in it's like minimizes as we get further and further in the realm, you know. Yeah. All right. So before we get to, I think I, I'll want to talk about Caesar and obviously his trajectory to getting to to meet Cleopatra and ultimately what happens between them and and sort of his journey in Egypt. But I want to touch in just very quickly on Mark Antony in uh, back in Rome uh, once again, ruling Rome in Caesar's absence. And there's not much that happens this episode except when um, Cicero and Brutus Magnus are talking about the potential that Caesar might die in Egypt and then Mark Antony rules and they're politicking and um, then Mark Antony shows up and is like, hey, you all talking about me behind my back? I heard it. So I'll forgive you, but never again. Um, I really did enjoy this scene of sort of Cicero and Magnus plotting thinking about toying with their options what happened what do we do next and then mark antony coming in and like i know exactly what you're talking about what you're doing i know everything yeah antony gets back just in the nick of time to catch these guys it's a it's a really fun dynamic this like um tension between you know mark antony is a military man and caesar is like the the military commander and the nobles the politicians right all the senators and like they're moving and shaking as they're all like trying to consolidate power i know like as we're here we're a couple of days in we're week almost two weeks in to the fall of rome and the conversation going on in the discord has been really insightful as as we've yeah. got a couple of like historians talking through like the actual details of the the political maneuvering at the time and the, the motivations for these guys to be tearing each other down. But Mark Anthony, I, I love. I think that he just is embodied so well. He's such a great character to begin with. But James Purfoy, like he's bringing it. He's just got the vibe, right? He's got the like I can't really be bothered with any of this, and you can only push me so far. Kind of energy that I like. It makes him feel dangerous. He feels like a little unpredictable to me whereas caesar's like always going to be pragmatic and be like no brutus come eat my bread with me no cicero come sit at my table have my wine you know like mark anthony you get the impression like this guy means it when he says like okay that was your one strike <laughs> like, not just one strike it's if i if i hear your name connected with murmurs of treachery i will cut off your hands and nail them to the senate door yeah exactly Pretty direct i mean yeah. it's very explicit you know um, and he kisses I, his hand so yep you know. Yep. yep. I love Mark Anthony. I think he's like an extraordinary character and a real fan favorite. I've been talking about him since early on here. Um, so just like a question for you, Grace, again, mm -hmm. we've been like kind of like teasing this very notable, great love affair that Mark Anthony has. Were you surprised to see the Cleopatra dynamic go the way it did oh, with Caesar or no? I had no idea that not only did Julius Caesar and Cleopatra you know, were they together that she literally bore him a first, uh, like a, a son? I did not know. That. I, had no, I had no idea. What well, a shock. What a plot it's, Pulo, it's Pulo's love child and they're just uh, raising it a surrogate parent. I guess but, so. you know, nonetheless. Yeah. yeah I guess yeah. so. No, I had no idea. I had no idea that this was uh, what have makes the whole thing. The fact that she's going to be with Mark Antony, which I feel like is the more famous relationship. It's wild to is. date Julius yeah. Caesar and he's not your most famous <laughs> right that's uh -huh. how you know like cleopatra's got that ish you know yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. uh yeah queen i you know i i will say you've you've hyped up mark antony i i think the performance has been good i've not been wowed by it i do feel like i this scene for me is where i was like okay i think i get it because mm -hmm. he comes in and he interrupts the conversation and again this is partially writing but it's also how he plays it off right and so 
he he lures them into this like you know yeah everybody's made mistakes you know i'm a merciful man i know that's not my reputation but you know it's fine and um and then he he threatens them it's like if i hear murmurings of treachery i'm gonna cut off your hands he kisses the hands and then magnus goes uh or sorry brutus goes um i thought you said he had good news he said oh yeah caesar's totally great he's cool He's ruling Egypt, so don't worry. He'll be coming back. I'm not the ruler. <laughs> Good news, Caesar's Caesar's a okay. Uh, the man is a damn prodigy, he says as he leaves. I thought this was really clever because they basically could presume like they don't know whether Mark Antony is like going to be you know in charge of Rome. They um, have no clue yeah. if he's like lying or not. I know I'm hyping him up. It's like a subdued performance, but again, it's just this element that he feels like unpredictable, right? He feels like, oh yeah, he's gonna like hang out and talk to you while he's naked and getting like his morning massage. That like he will be like threatening everybody. Like some of these people are so pragmatic in the way that like Pulo is chaotic and erratic and embodies the soldier's energy. Uh, I feel like Mark Antony does, but yeah, I love the the like double blind at the end of like wait is that true is what he told us is yeah, true yeah, like yeah. what about my hands wait a minute uh, yeah. uh, uh like he's keeping them on edge it's that element that he adds to the kind of like you know the whole environment that i really really appreciate so much he's like got them on edge and people are uncomfortable having to deal with this guy in this role and, and i just love that um yeah i think it's it's really good i love that scene all right, let's talk about Julius Caesar shows up in Egypt and we have Ptolemy. This is Ptolemy the 13th, I believe. I was a little yes. uh, confused because the episode title being Caesarian, I'm Googling like, oh, this must be Caesarian. Like, interesting that his name, and I'm like all sorts of confused as there's many Ptolemies who rule Egypt. This yes. is essentially, I believe if I'm looking at this, this is, well, they say it in the episode um, that this is Cleopatra's brother. There's yes. also, she also refers to him as husband. So I, are they, are they, I don't know. So people can clarify this for me, whether or not they were like engaged or betrothed or actually wed. Um, but I did really feel like, and it's, you know, I think it's pretty tough when, again, the show is called Rome and we head to Egypt. And I know um, that I will say, I thought I knew a bit more about Julius Caesar. Uh, Alex um, was kind enough to inform us that actually Julius Caesar never is emperor of Rome. He's just a dictator of uh, of of Rome, he never actually uh, declares himself emperor. That will come uh, with future rulers. But alas, this is a show about Julius Caesar, the rise of um, uh, of his rule. And so, when you meet the little boy Ptolemy, and then his like his the regent uh, Potanus and um, the tutor Theodatus, I boy feels like not these guys are basically. As soon as Pompey died, we needed some incompetent people to, to be up against Julius Caesar. And boy, did we find them pretty quickly. Yeah, I too, I don't know a ton about my Egyptian history, right? I mean, I know like the bare bones of the dynamic here. I think I'm they have some like, pyramids. Yeah, they definitely mm -hmm. do. Yeah, they are not alien batteries. Please, let's like not propagate that any further than it needs to be. Uh, I really, you know, you know, some of like the, the tropes around like the Egyptian pharaohs and I'm definitely Mama aware Kate of like the, the dynasty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the dynasty of Ptolemy, like I'm aware of to some degree, but like I think they do a good job conveying the like political scenario really quickly as we get in here I'm like okay we got a civil war the sisters like out hiding these guys really don't want to deal with it the boy a little boy who can be it around yeah yep mm -hmm. exactly we uh, talked about the fact that um i i thought that like when we met octavian i thought maybe he would have some joffrey energy 
-hmm. I don't think that's the case, but boy, there's a little bit of Joffrey and Ptolemy. Oh <laughs> yeah. It's Ptolemy, Joffrey Baratheon, uh -huh. right? I mean, uh -huh. he's even like a uh, full Targaryen here, marrying his sister. That's as right. You know, there's a lot going on. I, I just want to stop in on one beat. Cause I talked to you yesterday a little bit about yeah. Caesar, like when Brutus and, and Cicero come back to the camp and he takes them in and I asked, is that authentic? Do you read that as authentic? Oh, yeah. Cause in the, in the sense that like, you know, we have historical records and the writers had historical records that they're able to base a lot of this on there's insights down to like letters that some of these folks have written but when it comes to like the behavior this is purely speculative right this is the pure like fan fiction part of this storytelling uh in terms of like motivations and all this kind of stuff we only have so much insight into who this man was but i guess i just want to repose the question uh in specific regards to like pompey as you see this opening scene of caesar like dressing down this king that is like important to him right uh like there there seems to be nothing like necessarily politically to gain in the moment by like his expression of like fury that they have done this to Pompey, but he seems pissed. Like I saw a tear in his eye. So I'm curious, Grace, like, does that change your read at all? Or do you think that this is more like him just being good at the game? And like, it is him like, uh, like leveraging that moment for impact for leverage over this boy King. So I would be more in line to say that it is still a game if we don't see his the tears as he's burning Pompey's head. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I still do think to a degree, I, you know, what that tear means, shedding the tear over, over Pompey, you know, really, you know, I think that there's still ways you can look at it as like he's a pretty selfish man. And this idea sure. of like the fact that he maybe the, the the sadness is even from himself of the idea like i have to like i i had to basically put you in this situation to be able to prove my you know strength and ability to to lead so when they when they deliver pompey's head and he calls it shameful and barbaric i i think you know again i talk about this about i talk about this a lot we talked about it in succession when dr amanda and dr amanda is so good at uh the psychology aspects of uh of behavior and, and tv characters and we always talked about how people are like oh he's doing it because he's jealous and it's like well maybe that's like 60 percent jealousy and then 40 percent some yeah. other emotion or you know you know motivations maybe the rest are is complicated and not singular yeah. yeah maybe it's 40 20 you know, 10, 10, 10, 10, or whatever, you know, all of these different reasons. And so I think there can be two reasons is one is he wants to affirm his belief that he rules over Egypt. Right. Mm -hmm. So Ptolemy clearly has had a bit of his own, you know, the idea that he does not need to be ruled over. He's the King. He gets quite upset when Caesar calls him a vassal. I think that it, it does make sense to imply if you're barbaric, if you're, you know, this, the acts that you're, you're doing are shameful, even in the moment, if even in the moment he's pretty shocked that Pompey's head has been delivered to him, that the man, A, has already been died and not faced uh, justice, but also been done in this way that he doesn't feel, although funny, then they put a bunch of heads on pikes throughout <laughs> the rest of the episode. It's like the hypocrisy may be a little bit evident. Those men weren't good Romans, Grace. <laughs> that's right. And so this idea that he can, A, like, that's not how he would want to be treated. And he could see himself, I think, in Pompey's shoes. I think they like very clearly understand. Like, there's a lot of in the political maneuvering that they do with the, you know, the we joked a lot about like Mark Antony not vetoing the measure, but like that whole mm -hmm. thing is like 
them being able to read exactly what they would do because there's like these these systems of order and tradition and things that you would do that like you know he's only ever going to march on me if he feels like he has to and then it's like basically pompey's being like man we didn't veto it and now he has this like obligation to come and march to march against me um and so i feel like there's like a little bit of like they understand each other in a way that they could see where they might have been in each other's There's like game theory and they're predictable opponents right they like know the tactics of one another and so and be, it makes yes. it much easier to like yeah make choices based on that yeah. and because they can see that they're doing it and they basically do those things they can see how they would be in each other's shoes so i do think it's like genuine shock of like and also like this will never this should never happen to me but like pretty close here as like you deliver the head of a of a console of rome to 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 me also at the same time i do think that like as i was saying he needs to prove that he deserves to basically you know rome deserves to rule over egypt and this idea mm -hmm. of like you're barbaric you don't like you don't follow you need to follow our laws to be mm -hmm. right um i feel like there is a little bit of like potentially performance in this a reaction to basically you know as he'll do then later when he demands the payment to be made mm -hmm. um when when Ptolemy chucks the scroll back and he's like, no, you will you will pay and I'll be lenient. I'll I'll like how about ten thousand drachma, not the full thing. Um, but there's this way in which he needs to like impress upon them that they are to be ruled by insert uh, assert his dominance. I feel you. I you know I ask because I do come away from it, and part of it is just maybe like the Kieran Hines performance and like my general disposition. But I do think that Caesar is a is a relatively sympathetic character here, right? That like while he is clearly cunning and manipulative and ruthless to a degree, like um he's not without mercy or compassion or like human emotion. And I do see him affected by that. I think you're right, you know, and I think that again, like there's this notion that like human motivation is not so singular and definable is very resonant and very true. There are, there are a myriad of reasons we react as we do in any given moment. But I think that they've really like in, this is a depiction of Julius Caesar. Right. And I think in this yeah. depiction, they're, they're trying to give him a bit of humanity. Right. Um, where like we see him make these like really cold, hard choices and have to be like merciless at times. He's not without mercy. Uh, He's not without like affection for his friend. And I think you're spot on in terms of like uh, some of the pain. It's not just for like the fact that these men killed his friend. It's for the fact that he like drove his friend here where he died. Like we're going to have the scene of Varenna's coming. To yeah, him. I was like, going to mention that, I've, yeah. I failed you, right? By letting him go. Like I led him here. And Varenna's is like shamed by it, right? This notion that like his fate like came to this because I didn't do my duty. And, and I think Caesar that's why being... Caesar shuts it down because he also is like, yeah, I feel the same way, bud. Like let's not talk yeah. Yeah, exactly. Bottle, bottle that emotion up, man. <laughs> exactly. I think it's like exactly the response. That's like the indignation that he's giving back of like, I too failed my duty to my friend to a certain degree. So I find it really interesting just to track that moving forward. To your point, I do love the way he uses the situation to like just dominate this boy king as he starts like yelling, you know, uh, a little like inappropriate in the way that he's like dealing with the advisor and like our eunuch or whatever. But nonetheless, like he, he like is like obviously taking control of the situation using the circumstances of the moment, which is like involving his grief for his friend and the death of like this really important figure out of Rome. I think that like the other more cynical read that we can like look at is like, 
yeah, like Pompey's worth a lot to you alive because like you could have rally people around him, right? Like he was able to raise legions of armies that like put Caesar on his heels for a minute. Like those people, there is some measure of loyalty, even though they broke and ran and folded up like a carpet. And like it's useful to be able to like bring people like that into your camp, a la the Brutus and the Cicero of last time. Like when you kill all your enemies, it's really easy for like your new enemies to point at you and say dictator, emperor, or whatever, right? And to like label him with these things that he notably did not label himself with according to the historians in the chat right. so yeah i really love the energy here of like him with the egyptian kings i love this introduction like being a stranger in a strange land the way that like he shouldn't be able to command the space of this foreign palace that he sits in with their king but he does he like flips it completely on its head and like seizes uh absolute control of like the situation the city and even the death of pompey to your point that he's like okay now you're gonna owe me all the money you owe me and the money that pompey owed me because you're the guys that killed him and they're like uh, uh. i mean he gets everything so i mean part of this is seemingly the, from, he gets everything and a baby uh, that's right <laughs> seemingly everything he what he the reason he he wants to or he feel like he needs to stay in egypt or that it's wise to do it is mostly because of grain supply um is what he tells mark antony um that um a civil war would mean potentially grain um not flowing to rome and so that's kind of the most important thing but if you look at what he gets out of and yes you're right there's a little baby that he gets a son out of the end of this but also um I mean, when he when when um, Ptolemy is first brought to Caesar, the first thing he wants is I want like I want them. I want Pompey's murderer. And they say, ah, he ran away. And um, this is when he'll then go into how much money they owe. He's going to cut him a break. You can pay me this much until you get the rest. Um, we'll also adjudicate, you know, uh, uh, here about this civil war that's happening. But the end of it, not only I, I don't guess I don't know whether or not they've paid or not, but they deliver Pompey's murderer. Right to julius caesar who then proceeds to cut his head but yeah i mean i think that we should whether they pay or not is almost irrelevant because like we get the beat of like no no we need their grain this is why they're really right. important to us and so like if you've got that much credit like presumably the grain will flow again right, right. like we're not hearing about like the people in the streets of rome starving so it seems like he comes out of it like uh all wins it's like nothing but w's for julius right um as he moves forward i just i yeah i i love like getting to see him in this different place i guess like my other question for you is like following this trajectory like where do where do you, do you think we're going to be back in rome soon do you want to spend time here are you like looking to get back to rome we got four episodes left of season one grace yeah i mean the show is called rome i do think i want to spend some time in in rome i'm mm -hmm. i'm happy to spend some time in egypt here and obviously you know you know this is not an episode seemingly that they made because Oh, there's like one bit of text that we could uh, potentially, um, you know, make into a whole episode. We could spend a whole episode in in Egypt. Like Cleopatra has his baby, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like pretty yeah. pretty important, um, you know, uh, milestone here that has to happen somehow. Um, but I think you know he's showing off the baby. I think it's super interesting that he's just you know he leaves Rome. I believe he this is when he first goes to greece so not exactly to egypt to follow pompey but he breaks it off with servilia he's like i can't you know i can't mm -hmm. it's so hilarious to think that he is eventually going to return back to his wife calpurnia and be like yeah i know i left last time and i did break off the <laughs> the engagement i was having but also here's my son 
named Caesarian. Yeah. This is where it's uh, real good that they don't have social media back there in ancient Egypt, right. ancient Rome, right? Uh, it's pretty easy to like compartmentalize like Caesar's uh, secret family in Egypt. Yeah. Um, I don't know anything. Else, any any plot points? Obviously, this culminates in Cleopatra and Caesar having this uh, night together, and eventually, that's also we haven't really talked about it, but this is. Um, this whole scene is mixed between Caesar and Cleopatra having sex, Servilia with and Octavia sleeping together, while Veronis also watches the gate um, uh, as these men start to sort of like amass potentially to um, to try and fend off um, the Romans. It doesn't really seem to happen, if I'm remembering correctly. I think Caesar being with Cleopatra, um, and obviously at the end, um, as you mentioned, Ptolemy, uh, uh, yeah, not. Right, face he down yeah, in the river. Down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I love that. It's like this real, like, small shot. I like that we like stop in on of like Ptolemy faced out of the river before Caesar comes striding out with Cleopatra with like the absolute wild headpiece wigs. I love the costuming yes. that they did here for the Egyptians. You know, um, uh, it, it just is like a really interesting depiction to get to see like Cleopatra in the flesh this way. She's been like brought to life so many times in so many different stories, but um, I, I really just love it grace i don't know that it's like demands like the deepest like critical analysis this one i just think it's really fun and like it captures this vibe that the show is not yet of like it feels like a little bit of an adventure abroad like like the hard work is behind them in defeating pompey in the battle of greece pulo and Verinus have like survived the impossible grace they like sailed on a raft of dead men off right. the island in the aegean you know and now like here they are and i love the again like you know th this like trope of like seeing or you keep talking about it him being like they're favored by the gods uh do me a favor get those two god soldiers i need them to go find the queen you know what i mean and he like yeah. will send them them being like caesar's like special forces like little unit you know what i mean of like the black ops roman legionnaires that are gonna ride out into the desert it's really like small stuff too but pulo starts like talking like some crap about the egyptian gods he and, like veritas is like you need to stop man you can't be talking right. ill of these gods in their country. Like this is a very old country. Egypt was like a great kingdom long yeah. before Rome was anything to like sneeze at. And Pula's like, oh, well, they really messed it up, isn't it? You know, like it's Pretty really good. funny, right? But like Varinus's again, like his reverence, his fear of the gods. Like, no, 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 we're in the this god's country. Like this is and this, I love this, it. Uh, their jurisdiction. We don't want to f with these gods, these foreign gods. And Pula's like indignation about like these gods with like dog heads and gods that are cats and like he's just not here for it and, and also like really notable i gotta stop down on it but once like the relationship is actually like culminated between pulo and the, and the like honorable cleopatra the like screaming chanting noises coming out of the tent the whole like xena yeah. warrior princess battle cry that echoes from behind the canvas just to make it like that much harder for lucius verinas to like Except what's happened here. Pretty good. It's like, Pretty funny. It's just there's so much excellent little stuff that's yeah. woven in uh, across this this hour of TV. Yeah. You know, I'm really excited because um, this is uh, Ptolemy the, the 15th Caesar is the name of the baby that Julius Caesar and Cleopatra have. Um, he's nicknamed Caesarian, which also means rich, little Caesar. I think I'm most excited to really see how this pizza chain gets yeah. developed uh yeah little caesars i'm so excited to see how that i'm, I'm presuming that's a huge plot point moving forward pizza pizza yeah <laughs> that's right all right um 
as we mentioned yesterday, the Coliseum not to be built for a hundred years. We're gonna put people into it anyway. Time trip. We're we're talking in two thousand and twenty. We are. So. We're travelers. We don't care. We go where we yeah, want. Yeah, we are the travelers. Yeah, where's Ariel? Um, let us put some folks into the Coliseum. I believe you put someone in first yesterday, so it's my turn to mm-hmm, first mm-hmm. nominate. I'm gonna nominate. I don't think there's. I I think this is. It has to, I think it's Caesar, I think. I think I have to nominate wow. Caesar. Uh he has so many wins this episode. He gets he gets Pompey's murder. The Egypt is gonna be under Rome, clearly. Um, there's the payment. The grain is gonna supply to Rome. He gets he has sex with Cleopatra and has a little baby. A, a born son, in which she notes, Oh, Caperni has not given you a son. It's gotta be Caesar, I think. It's gotta be who I'm gonna enter into the Coliseum. Okay, okay, you ready? Counterpoint. Mm-hmm. The royal lady Cleopatra herself. Yeah, uh, fair enough. She is saved from assassins. She yeah. accepts her own death like quite gratuitously, but then is like rescued from the assassins by Caesar's Black Ops unit. She gets to couple with Titus Pulo, which seemed like a very fun time. There's a full-on like chanting scene next to it. She has a baby that she's able to secretly convince Caesar that it's his, even though it's Titus Pulo's love child. And she kicks drugs, Grace. She gets off opium. And opiate <laughs> addictions are, are uh-huh. kind of tough. Okay. Uh-huh. Plus, she's able to have her brother uh, assassinated. Uh, and like thrown out, and she's able to return from exile in the desert to seize control of Alexandria, where Caesar's going to leave her to run the the Caesarian pizza chain. Yeah, I do like that. Um, from what I'm reading, that like I, it seems like potentially Ptolemy just like drowned in the Nile as he was like trying to escape. I think it's very funny that they're like they basically imply this was a murder, which it could be, but there's it just I don't be. think a ton of evidence to show. Uh yes or no. That's a good argument for Cleopatra. I'm fine either way here. I I, I think probably Caesar still has the better episode, but I I you know Cleopatra wins think, a civil war. So that's fine. Yeah, I think Caesar is like a real dominant force. I guess like uh you know no spoilers, but it's like the Cleopatra episode, right? And so part of me wants to like make sure that like we're able to give her her accolades in the moment that we can while she's here and we can like celebrate her, you know. She will be back again, of course, like uh, as we have insinuated, there's like a lot of like uh sh- you know, she's yet to drop here. But I I, I would want to like advocate for cleopatra over caesar on this one because i think that like she gains more from having less while caesar like comes out of this in a really terrific position he came into this in a pretty good position to begin with and like cleopatra was pretty screwed uh except that she's able to like manage things i guess to your point it's all because of caesar i don't know that's my big point i was going to come at i guess it's fair i've talked enough about cleopatra we can give it to caesar the show is called rome not egypt Hey, she's still in the Coliseum. It's a yeah. point. It's basically a point within itself. Now she's but. bleeding on the floor. Yeah. yeah. Uh, congratulations, uh, Caesar. Caesar. All right. Um, do you have any any scene in particular you want to highlight from this episode? Oh yeah, a million percent. It's uh, Pulo coming out of the tent. Like there's so much in the lead up to Pretty all of that, but it is definitely Pulo coming back to the tent afterwards and being like, "Hey, you sleep, bro?" Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, just don't. Just don't, don't talk to me. Just shut up. Yeah. A lot of uh, Varanus putting Pulo in his place. And one time, literally, so I want to highlight two, mo- whereas one is as Pulo is, is looking back behind Varanus, as Varanus says, like, Romans, you know, get in formation. He's like, you too, Pulo. And Pulo's like, God damn, I just wanted to like take a little sneak peek. <laughs> and he has to go back. And then the other one is, I don't think anything is better for me this episode than when Pulo is so audibly cheering. 
as Caesar's holding his baby. The baby. And Brennus is side-eyeing him, being like, dude, that might be your baby, just so you know. So I that was the one I was going to pick, but honestly, yeah. I hope that you picked it. And yeah, there we I, go. I had to like give some love to that moment in the tent. Yeah, it's a really great beat at the end. Below is so excited because like they're all just yelling, Yay, yay. And there's like the sound mix and like Ray Stevenson yeah. in front of the camera, like, yay, yeah. yay. Yeah. <laughs> very good. Made me very happy. Yeah. All right, we'll be back tomorrow as we're talking about Rome every single day here in the fall of Rome, every weekday in October. Tomorrow's episode, Rich, is called Utica. Um, were you at the office watcher? Did you watch The Office, Rich? It feels no, like not no. a single instant of it. Yeah. I presume tomorrow's episode is There's heavily about Pam, how um, right? There's a yeah. Michael something. Scott, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I presume tomorrow's episode is mostly about the merging of the Scranton and Utica branches, but we shall see. Um, that's, an, uh, that's a joke for people who watch The Office. Well, it's hilarious you say that because I live in upstate New York, which is a place that has a city named oh. Utica, and Utica is gorgeous. That is uh, the, that is the New Yorkers would know. Yeah. That is the place. Utica branch is a branch yeah, in Scranton that get merged. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. That's, the, yeah. that's the thing. Alright, we'll be back tomorrow with the episode. In the meantime, Rich, where can people find you? in Utica. I'm just kidding. On Twitter <laughs> at DM Philly. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitch, on uh, YouTube, all the same names. Go give me the follows. I appreciate it. I am on socials at Hi from Grace or at Go for Grace. And we'll be back tomorrow to talk about Rome every single day.